You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hiya, folks. How's it going? I don't know if this is going to sound too weird or not. I'm in Nashville right now. It's my last day. But currently, uh, I'm sitting in my truck because it's the only semi-quiet place I could find. So I got this rental truck, and I'm sitting in here recording these for your ears. Everywhere else had, like, music playing or cicadas. Like, there's crazy loud cicadas outside. I thought I could just step outside and maybe do it real quick. Definitely can't do it in the apartment we rented. Uh got air conditioners running and it's it's crazy loud so here you go with this spot it is about sinusoid that's right sinusoid custom cables they can make the cable of your dreams with their custom cable builder right on their website no problem you pick your you pick your connectors you pick your cable brand maybe you pick their slate maybe you pick Megami. maybe you pick something else they've got it over there tech flex no tech flex what color they can make the cable of your dreams, and it has a 100-year warranty. Yes, a 100-year warranty. So unless you're going to be some sort of weird cyborg-type person, the cable will last your lifetime. So go over to sinusoid.com, check out what some of the best folks in the guitar gear industry have to offer. Yes, they are some of the greatest and best and awesomest folks I have run into in this business. And there's a lot of good folks in this business, so you know that's that's impressive, to say the least. So go to sinusoid.com and get you some. We are also brought to you by the amazing people over at Gun Street Wiring Shop. I told you about that harness I put in my Les Paul. It sounds awesome still, and it was an easy install even for a buffoon like me. Sean and the team over there make a great product, and they offer awesome customer service, and... It just looks cool. You get it in there and you're like, man, that's pretty. And who doesn't like pretty gear? Everyone likes pretty gear. I know you don't want to admit it. You want to say it's all about the tone, man. But you you care. You care what it looks like. Everyone does. That's why you open up a pedal, stare at the guts for a little bit. This is the same thing. This is beautiful, beautiful guitar wiring made by hand in Bend, Oregon. And the process could not be easier. They're also getting into the Fender game. They've been uh, aggressively in the Gibson camp for a while. Now they're starting to make stuff for Jazzmasters, uh, Strats, you know, you name it. They can do it for you. Call up, or, well, who calls anybody anymore? Let's be honest. Email Gun Street Wiring Shop, or go to their website, or contact them in some way, and they will fix you up with a awesome wiring harness for your guitar. You know, you got scratchy pots you've had in there for years like I have. Get them upgraded. You know, get the get the whole mess just cleaned up and done the right way by Gun Street Wiring Shop.
Hello everyone, welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today I have Alex Lanice of the band Glass Lungs. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm really excited for this. Well, I tell you what, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I've been following you on the, the old gram for a while, but I... Went, I was listening to your album yesterday, and now I'm extra excited because I was I was really really enjoying it. Um, and forgive me, I'm really bad with remembering track names, but overall, I uh, I'm really digging the vibe. Is that new one out yet? The well, the one we have that... two singles. We have two singles out. Mm-hmm. Um, one is called "From the Wayside." The mm-hmm. other is called "Casting Stones." Yes, uh, that's the that's one was really clicking with me. Yeah, so we wanted to release, you know, the I guess poppiest, catchiest one and the darkest, heaviest one at the same time. Kind of show, you know, how broad of a spectrum we have with the album. That's a good good plan. When is the uh, when is the full release coming out? Next Friday. I'm super Ooh. stoked. Yeah. Ooh, next Friday. Yeah. I'm not sure so when this few... comes out. Give give the date, because I'm not sure exactly when this is going to drop for the people June that are June uh, 29th. Listening. Friday, June 29th. Uh, Glass Lungs Impermanence. Very nice, man. Very exciting. Very exciting. Is yeah. this your guys' uh, first record, or what's the this story is our of the first, band? This is our first full length. Uh, we had a few demos out in the beginning, um, and now we decided it was time for full length. Um, we got a, you know, good feedback from the demos, so we're like, let's just do it. It looks, it looks good in the, uh, grand scheme of things to be like, you know, I re- we nailed down a, a full length because so many bands are just, you know, putting out single after single after single. We were like, you know, we really want something that we could just put out a whole bunch of songs and, you know, maybe we'll do some singles after, but we want that in the books. Yeah. I know the feeling. I mean, I'm not, uh, excuse me. I'm not a, uh, you know, professional musician by any stretch of the imagination, but it was, uh, always a goal growing up to have an album for some reason. I don't know why, but it feels good when it's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you know, The recording process was so much fun, too. Um, You know, like, we we stayed at the studio we recorded in, which was uh, Voodoo, uh, with um, Mike Watts and Frank, I'm going to butcher this, but uh, Mitatur Itona, he's going to, if he listens to this, he's going to kill me, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, they were great though, and we 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 stayed there for I think it was like eighteen days or something. Um, oh wow! Yeah, we just lived there, and uh, <laughs> and um, then I think we went back for five more days to finish up some stuff. Um, but yeah, it was so cool. Just the process was so cool, and like being able to like sit there and really like dial in every single tone and just like messing with different guitars while you're doing it and different amps. Um, yeah. And, and just being there for that long a time, it's just like, nothing's really, really like that. I've never, you know, 
done something that big before. Right, right. No, I, I, I can understand. I thought, I thought five days was a big deal for me. We weren't <laughs> yeah, living there, yeah. but it was very, very close to where we live. So, um, but before we get to, because uh, I do want to talk to you about the recording process and kind of the reason that we got hooked up is because um, a lot of, well, the, your band's music, as we discussed the other day, is largely focused around the, not the music itself. Well, how did you say it? Like, it's just like very informed by the gear you use, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, that's something that, you know, we we kind of focused on when we even started. Um, I was in a lot of bands prior to this that bored and, you know, whatever. And, and, and something that really got me into uh, playing guitar in general was just the sound of it. It wasn't really like actually playing the guitar, which I think is weird for, you know, most musicians. Um, yeah, I, I just really liked the sound of it. Um, so I never went to guitar lessons. I, I pretty much learned how to play guitar from this band being like, hey, we need a guitar player. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll do it. Just show me what I gotta do. So that was my first introduction to playing guitar, but uh, what really got me hooked was, was the sound. So um, for a while I, I played, in, played in bands and you know, whatever, and I, I just kept going through gear and all the guys in the band would, uh, you know, make fun of me and be like, oh, you got another amp, you got another amp, really? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yep, I got another amp, like, I'm just trying, I got this sound in my head, I'm trying to figure it out, um, and, uh, you know, and then I started playing with other guys after I had really found what I was looking for, and I was like, yo, you really need to try this out, you need to try that out, you should definitely, like, you know, get something like this, and, uh, they just weren't into it. <laughs> um yeah so I, I don't know so when when i started glass lungs um i was like you know i really want to do like a gear-based band and uh i'm not going to be pushy on everyone because i know that never works out for me <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh you know i just i would like slowly show everybody like um hey check this out check that out and uh, one of the first people in the band that was really like, you know, uh, like, wow, was, uh, um, was Bill. Um, he started off playing bass in the band, later moved to guitar. But I remember, you know, being at our practice space. And I was like, why do you have a noise gate on your bass guitar? And he's like, oh, there's so much feedback. And I unplugged his like pedals and just plugged him straight into his amp. And he was like, Oh my God. I was like, yeah, he had like <laughs> every single pedal on his chain was buffered. And just like this noisy thing, um, with like crappy cables in between it and whatever. And I'm not like a crazy true bypass guy. You know, I let, you know, I have definitely have buffered pedals on uh my board and i i like my overdrive that's in the beginning of my board to be buffered um and yeah so that's basically like how glass lung started with tone and uh as we got you know more members we we're kind of like you know this is what we're doing um 
if you're into it, you're into it. If you're not into it, you're not into it. But this is uh, this is it. <laughs> right. So I find that kind of interesting because a lot of people, um, some and myself, I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes the gear gets in the way of of creating music at times. Um, uh, yeah. Not all. Not all the time. But and oftentimes it's it's the opposite. But I I do know that it it can be overwhelming, especially for people who aren't that interested in it. But I find it really intriguing that you started off um, with that in mind. Like I want, we want to be a gear based band, and I don't, I don't know if that's a very common <laughs> thought process for me for most people. Yeah, I don't think it is. Uh, uh, one of the probably least, uh, one of the people that is like least into gear had joined the band. Uh, and he's still in the band. Uh, he's our guitar player, Nick. Um, yeah, that dude will leave guitar strings on uh, for a year if they haven't broken. Um, he will play without his high E string and just change where the where uh, you know he plays on the guitar, <laughs> like just to make up for it. And it's like, oh man, come on! Like here's a pack of strings. I'll give you for free just please change <laughs> these things but uh over time he got really into it like i remember like uh, probably last december he just came to practice with like four new pedals and i was like yes like here we go um yeah and he's he's gotten really into it which is cool um and now he's like very he thinks about like what he needs to do, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And at first it was like, man, am I going to have to like buy you a tuner? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh man. Like, I think it's, I, I've said this before. I think that, you know, the gear acquisition syndrome is, is extremely, um, extremely contagious. And I don't generally see people go from, I, I've seen a lot of people go from, kind of being interested in gear to full-on gear nerds, but I've never seen anybody go from being a full-on gear nerd to, to the opposite, being like, I don't really care anymore. Like, yeah. I'm sure it's happened, but I've never seen it, ever. It's always the opposite. Yeah, I think it's just contagious, man. Like, you know, with me and Bill, uh, the two of us are just, like, constantly switching stuff out, and, like, I think that Nick seeing that and then also hearing the difference. And then also we'd play shows and you'd have like, you'd have tons of kids coming up to us like, oh my God, your pedal boards. Like, who has that many pedals? These things are crazy. You know, I think anybody likes, you know, some sort of the attention from it. Um, so I think, I think all of us, you know, we just like more and more got into it and then after a while it's like oh man we're like you know fifteen thousand dollars deep into our gear right now <laughs> it's it's a weird thing though right it's uh it's it, it's like there's a collectability like angle of it there's there's the actual sounds and it's just it's just fun like oh it's so much fun it yeah <laughs> it's a good time <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then once you start going down the rabbit hole, like you really go down the rabbit hole, you know, 
you you and I were talking the other day about like uh about some companies that are higher up on you know the boutique totem pole I guess you could say so I think it first starts with you know people are really into like at, at least gear I'm, I'm talking gear nerds I'm not talking you know the the regular guy that's like oh, I want a better pedal um but I feel You're talking like to the first... listeners of this podcast, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think people start off with just like, hey, uh, I really want uh, a JHS pedal or a, um, a Walrus Audio pedal. And, and those are the introductions to, you know, I think boutique pedals. But, you know, as you go down the totem pole and you're like on these gear pages, you're like, oh, man. And, and you get into like these real boutique pedals. And that's what my pedal board kind of consists of. At, at this moment where you're you're getting things like 80 tape and uh, Ezianaka and things like that and just these weird pedals like some of them you're like oh man how am I going to even fit like this sound into a song uh, and that's kind of where we're at now we just have these crazy pedals and we're just like alright well the stuff we're going to write later is just going to I guess be more weird so do you um do you write around a specific pedal? Will you will you go this thing makes this weird sound when I do this and we're going to make a song out of that weird sound somehow. Is it intentional um, like that? It's actually pretty funny. Um I I write like that. I'm like, "All right, let me see how this works. How can I turn this into something musical?" Um whereas our guitar player, Nick, is more the opposite. He writes a riff and he's like, okay, which one of my pedals will fit over this? So I think doing that, or both of us doing that differently, uh, almost opens up more of a dynamic uh, with the, the music. Yeah, I think, I think having different approaches is, is what makes a band cool. You know, that's what makes it a band and a group effort and actually a, you know, a collaborative thing. because you know, I write stuff all the time by myself that wouldn't really be useful in the context of my band. Um, you know, a lot of looping, weird, ambient stuff. And yeah. in in the context of of doing music with the guys, it doesn't really make any. It doesn't. It wouldn't make any sense. And um, so I actually have to. And it's been a long time since I've done this, and I should really get back back into it more. Um, or I actually don't, I'll just pick like a, a good drive or a good fuzz or even, I know this is going to sound weird for all listeners, sometimes I play clean. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, then, and and just try to write a basic kind of song. Because all the songs that I wrote that actually were anything worth listening to were actually a lot more stripped down and, and, and easy that, versus um, my super weird out there stuff. The weird out there stuff that I do generally doesn't turn out. I like it okay, but I don't sit back and listen to it and go, yeah, good job, Blake. That was great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, what's hard for us, um, and it wasn't in the beginning because um, Bill was, like I had said earlier, he was originally playing bass. Um, and we found that he was using so many bass effects that we were like, uh, we've completely lost the low end. Like, like, what do we do now that there's no drive in the band? Uh, so Bill had moved to guitar and Jay came into the band and started playing bass for us. 
And then we were like, okay, how do we write three guitar parts? Uh, and it was, it was definitely difficult for a while. Um, because now we had, like you were saying, we kind of had to strip down all of our parts for everybody to fit. Um, but you know, it, it ended up working out really well on the record. Um, Frank was so good at like figuring stuff out, figuring out how to get us each in there. He was also like, guys, uh, this part's just not going to be on here. And we're like, oh, damn it, you know? And we're like, but what are we going to do live if somebody doesn't have a part? And he's like, I don't really care. <laughs> this is just, right. what, this is just what's going to happen on the uh, record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but, you know, since then, like, uh, we've been writing more, like, consciously of, you know, having three guitar players. Um, so I definitely know what it's like to have to strip some stuff down to get things to sound normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of times where, um, you know, we, we had three guitar, or have three guitar players too, all gear nerds, and so um, what, you know, this is reaching back quite a while, um, but what we would have to do is, like, okay, what are you using on this track? You're going to use a Les Paul, okay, I'm going to use a Telecaster then. You know, like, because uh, the, the guitar is a mid-range voice, instrument for the most part and you if you got three of them playing you know the same chord progression for example um you got to figure out like ways to make them stand out for each other or else somebody's not going to play basically which is fine if that's what the song requires but you you really do got to be mm -hmm. conscious of that and and one of the things that that was eye opening for me was um bad tone um, I, I used to talk about this a lot, but like sometimes bad tone is the, is the right tone. Like you hear it on, on its own mm -hmm. and it's this shrill ear piercing, like terrible sounding <laughs> guitar. And then you sit it in the mix and it's like, Oh, that's what that needed. Like, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, no one ever thinks that because when you're playing by yourself, you just want it full and big and, and as beautiful and, uh, and rich as it can be. And then you'll, you'll drop that in the mix. And it's like, where'd it go? It's gone. Um, yep. it's, it's the big muff yeah. effect to some degree. Um, yeah, you know, and some things, some things on recording just don't sound, um, as good as they do in a live setting as well. Um, B Bill played a bad cat and I was always jealous of his live tone. And I was like, man, it's so like thick and like, it's still bright and, um, when we went into the studio, we were just like, why is this thing not tracking good? Like, it just doesn't sound good. Um, I have definitely heard other bands, you know, using Bad Cats in the studio and they sound great. But for whatever reason, with the other guitar tracks, it just wasn't meshing. So we ended up only using the Bad Cat for maybe two songs or parts in two songs. Um, and the same thing happened with Jay's bass. Jay has like this awesome, like uh Varellen preamp and he uses a Fryette power amp. Um but then in the studio, uh it just it just wasn't sounding good. I don't he plays really dirty live, like really dirty. Uh and and we ended up using this EBS uh Fafner 
um, amp, and it sounded incredible. Um, I was really happy with a lot of the bass tones we got on the album, and I, you know, that's that's just kind of like what you're saying, um, to some degree. Uh, that some things need like a different tone to just come across properly, or uh, some things need a worse tone to come across properly. Yeah, and it's a weird thing. Like you're talking about the bad cat, and I was having a flashback to a, a few episodes back. Had Tom from MXPX on talking about gear and stuff, and he mentioned that there was this vintage Marshall that he plugged in into a studio um, years ago, and he said it was like the absolute best sound he's ever heard um, standing in the room playing with it, but they couldn't get it to record right, which is so so weird to, to think about until you've actually had that experience. It's it's bizarre, and you're like, but it's I'm listening to it, and it sounds phenomenal, but through these speakers, and it's not working. Why isn't it working? It should work. It's it's a bizarre, yeah. a bizarre thing that like most non musician people look at us like we're insane when we talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it's. I don't know how to explain that either, man. It's it's crazy. Um, but you know, I don't know if you know. I, I'm I'm like blanking on his name right now. Uh, he's the singer of uh, uh, the Deer Hunter. Oh, okay. Okay, um, I know the band, and, but I don't know the members. Yeah, so so the singer of the Deer Hunter uh, has his own guitar uh, company called Cave and Canary. Oh, I didn't um, know that was his. I love those. Yes. Okay. Yes, they're super sick. I think the guys from Jennings are are making part of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the studio. Uh, uh, Mike Watts has a uh, baritone one there. Uh, so we were like, oh man, we need to find a place to use this on the record. Um, so we chose one of the songs uh, on the record. It's called Firewalker. Um, and it sounded so awesome. It was so perfect. At the same time, uh, you know, Frank was saying to us, you know, every single one of you are switching between who plays rhythm, who plays uh, like ambient textures, who's playing leads. And he's like, I really suggest to you guys that you, you know, figure out who's best at which part, um, because it'll be a hell of a lot easier to record. It'll be a hell of a lot easier to dial in your tones and to figure out what pedals are better on your boards, because like every single one of you has like the same pedals. He's like, you have more of an, like can have more of like an expansive sound if you guys each figured it out. So we were like, Oh, that's real interesting. So I would say, honestly, like two days later, we were like, we figured out who would play what. And uh, we were like, Bill, you should definitely play baritone. And uh, he thought about it for about a day. And <laughs> I think I think like within that week he had sold his guitars and bought a baritone. Uh, <laughs> we ended up going back to the studio, like I said, for those five days, and we put baritone on like three more songs. Oh man, I, I yeah, I just recently uh, recently got into the baritone world, um, and I'm loving it. I've been talking about it a decent amount lately, but I uh, I got this uh, millimetric baritone that I just. Mm -hmm. I just love it so much. I'm 
I'm though actually ironically parked right in front of it, staring at it while I'm recording this, and I'm just kind of want to play it, like reach out and would that be weird <laughs> yeah. if I did that? I don't know. No, no, you can do that if you want. <laughs> Give us a little uh, background music. Yeah, sure. That'd be that's just what everybody wants me to do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've seen those. Um, I think Florian is a is an artist. He he makes these up in Canada, and they're just they're they're crazy looking, but not with and and totally like non traditional in a lot of ways. Very modern aesthetic, mm-hmm. but yet somehow not dumb. Like some people do that, and I'm like, it doesn't look <laughs> that doesn't look like a guitar anymore. It just looks like some sort of art project with strings on it, and this st- looks like a a beautiful guitar still. So. It it's it's funny you say it's from Canada because I feel like all these great brands are coming out of there. Uh, Fairfield Circuitry, I'm, I believe, is from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Empress is from there. I'm pretty sure Alexander and Chase Bliss from there. Mm. Am I correct? No, with that? no, those two are those two are American. Um, they're uh, okay. they're from the Midwest. Uh, I'm an idiot, but. There are a lot of great Canadian companies. I mean, I'm a, obviously a big Solid Gold fan. Uh, we did that pedal. Yeah, pedal Solid together. Gold yeah. too, man. Uh, they have a that Apollo is great. I love the Apollo. Oh um, man, it's so fun. And uh, Bill had just ordered a Gillard guitar. Um, they uh, he's from Canada, um, which is uh, those guitars are so cool, man. He's like doing like classic. Uh, Classic shapes like strats and offsets and tellies, whatever. Uh, but he's doing them with uh, fan frets. Oh, interesting. I don't yeah. know if I've seen this. Most of the fan fret, yeah, most of the fan fret guitars are like metal guitars. But he's like opening it up to like you know guitar players that play with single coils and you know like that traditional look, um, which I think is super cool. Um, and he's got some cool YouTube videos where he's like, I'm going to build a guitar in one day. And you see like him throughout the entire day, like trying to get this guitar done. It's really cool. Wow. That sounds intense. I got to look that up. I, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. I, I love all these like, you know, uh, boutique guitar companies because, you know, it started with, it started with, uh, you know, boutique amps. It went to boutique pedals and now like uh all the um boutique guitar companies are you know making their way into like being real popular um it's a it's 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 a cool (laughs) thing i i have had this weird switch i mean don't get me wrong i still like um mainstream companies i i you know fender and gibson rickenbacker all the like i love all i love all guitars (laughs) but um but yeah. <laughs> when I'm looking at those those types of guitars, uh, if I'm really jonesing for one, I'll I'll usually be looking for uh, a vintage one or or an older one um, most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, not not generally getting super hyped on on the new models by the bigger brands, mostly because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many small guys doing more interesting things. That I can, you know, pay the same amount or sometimes even less um, to and and mm-hmm. directly like directly support them and and get a really cool, you know, a really cool finished product that's that's unique. You know, I've, I've wanted a Jazzmaster forever, yeah. ever and ever. I've wanted a vintage Jazzmaster 
And um, there were some that I, 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 I wanted so bad, but you know, I couldn't, I could not justify the price. Um, even though those are relatively affordable comparing, you know, compared to an old strat or something. Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah. But I, I just was like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't drop that kind of money. <laughs> like, I, and, and so <laughs> just kind of scratch that itch. Um, I just, I, last year I was, I was in New York and I went over to Carmine street and I've ordered, I, I asked him to like, well, could you make me one of these Bowery pine jazz mask like he doesn't make jazz masters normally he has like his own spin i'm just like i want mm -hmm. a very traditional jazz master please and could you make it for me and he's like okay so that's in process right now and it's like <laughs> way less like way way less than a vintage you know jazz would be and it's made by you know this guy who's been doing it for 50 years out of you know as he calls it the bones of old new york so like how, how much that's that's just as cool <laughs> it's it's you know so yeah like, i guess the point being is like i kind of i if i'm gonna buy a new guitar it's probably gonna be from a a smaller shop most like most likely for me at this point yeah you know i feel like most people are just like you know if it's not a fender or a gibson or you know some mainstream name it's not a good guitar um which is totally false. Like there are some, you know, guitar companies out there that, you know, they're using like premium pots, premium, like pickups, like they, they're spending time like handcrafting these things. And some of them are just like really great Luthers, you know, um, which I'm I, right now. I just ordered, uh, two guitars from John Parsons. Mm -hmm. Who is a, a Luth? He's a Luther in Tasmania. Uh, he's famous for the swooped F hole. Um, <laughs> if you go check him out on uh, Instagram, he's got a bunch of really cool photos. Um, and he's building me two custom guitars right now. Um, and I got to choose everything. Like, and when I say everything, I mean everything. I got to choose my fret size, I got to choose my fretboard radius i got to choose the like profile of the back of the neck where i did weird stuff like the the neck goes from a v-shape to a wizard shape oh crazy and it's like yeah it's like who could i get that from who else could, would do that you know when you go to a guitar shop and you get you know your fender or your gibson it's like i love this guitar but there's that one thing you know that i don't like about it that i wish was on it or you know and you know, mo I'm going to say like most people don't really know what they like. Uh, they know they like single coils, you know, they know they like a uh, soft tail, you know, it's stuff like that. They, they might like a thicker neck, like things like that. But when, when you're so into like gear and things like that, it's like, all right, I know every single thing that I like, and I'm going to find someone who's going to do every single thing that I like. And John Parsons was so awesome to work with uh he has so much patience too because i'm like the worst person to work with <laughs> um <laughs> yeah uh i'm so per per uh, particular with everything that I i'm surprised he put up with me um but yeah he was a really good support about it and uh 
I'm pretty sure it's like almost done. Like he showed me a picture of it the other day. Um, the other one I haven't seen a picture of yet, but yeah, I'm, I should be getting that like within the month and I can't wait to play them. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a good relationship with Josh from righteous sound pickups, which, you know, that's how I found your podcast. I know you've done, you know, a podcast with him. Nicest dude in the world. Uh, he sent, uh, some pickups for me to John Parsons to put in the guitar. Um, and Josh makes me, you know, whatever I want and gets, gets on board with all my crazy ideas. Um, <laughs> which is actually, uh, now that I'm on that topic of, uh, pickups, <laughs> um, Josh, Josh and I came up with a, uh, a weird pickup design, uh, about a year ago, uh, called the sweet violet, which is a strat pickup inside of a P90 enclosure, which I had a guitar, had a P90 in it, hated it. And I was like, Hey man, can you make this? And he was like, yeah, that's a super cool idea. And just went for it. Like other guys just gave me such a hard time. Like, Oh, you can't do this because of this. And Josh didn't even question me, man. I, I love oh, that yeah. guy. He's, he is awesome. Uh, he was a, he was, yeah, he was on the podcast. Uh, I don't know quite a while back, but yeah, he's a, he's a real treat of a person. We met at the Tacoma guitar show a couple of years ago and had him come on and, and then he made me cry and it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it was a good episode though. Um, he's, he makes great stuff and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I like, I like his work a lot and, and have got to play several guitars with different designs. I think he's, he's got it, uh, He's got his he's got his recipes dialed, I think, in my opinion. I, I like I like what he does. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Um at, at this point, I think oh everyone in my band has a righteous sound pickup. Nice. <laughs> um yeah, he was he was just super awesome about it. Uh yeah, my bass player Jay loves them. He absolutely loves them. Um my guitar player Nick has that uh, sweet violet pickup in his neck, and he made a custom set for Bill's baritone, and it's just been like it's a breeze working with that guy, and he's down for whatever. And I think like just like John Parsons' guitars, like I said, I think that's like so important, like at least to me in a company that you know they're willing to work with you and you know get you what you want, and it's not like all right, I have to pick up the standard thing, you know and just deal with whatever I don't like about it, you know? So that, uh, I, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit cause I wanted to, I wanted to ask you if you've ever thought about or, or done this before. Cause you said you're really particular and you, you know, go over the custom builds with a fine tooth comb. So I've done, I've done two different strategies yeah. with ordering guitars from builders and, and they both have their merits. But so my, my Roni Oceana was like what you talked about. Like we went over mm -hmm. everything. Like, What's it going to, what color is it going to be? How's it going to, blah, 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 blah. It was very specked out. Um, and it turned out amazing. Uh, my millimetric, I took some advice from uh, Adam, who runs satellite amps. And what he does when he orders custom guitars, and he has a lot of guitars, is he just tells the mm. builder to go for it. And I kind of did that with my millimetric. I said, I want this body shape. Um you know, approximately this scale length and baritone other than that surprised me. And 
it was kind of cool because you get that vibe again of like a kid on Christmas Day. You don't know exactly what's going to happen when you open the box. Like, and as long as you, as long as you yeah. trust the builder, I think that that's like a really fun, really, really fun way to, to get a guitar. Uh, I, I'd never done that before yeah. until last year. And it was like, this is so exciting. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and then it was brilliant. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Um, for sure. Because, you know, nobody know like you as a player don't know the guitar as well as the builder. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the things where they're like, you know, this really works better with this. Um, and kind of outside of gear, um, that works with other things too. Um, when I was younger, I worked at a tattoo shop and I found that all the tattoos that I just like let the artist do what he wanted came out way better because they know like what fits together and you know, what will just like look better as an artist. You know, some of the times when you come up with stuff, it's like, you know, that doesn't work too well together, whether it's, you know, a tattoo like that or if it's a guitar. Yeah, that's true. And I've actually found kind of the same thing with uh, getting graphic design work done. It's like, I, I kind of, I give a, give whoever I'm working with, like the vibe, like I kind of go looking for this sort of vibe, um, you know, like a vintage electronics vibe or whatever the case may be. And then they, 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 you know, spit a bunch of stuff out. Like, I don't understand how some of these guys do it. Cause I'm so not good at that. Um, they, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, like the next day, like, Oh, here's five different designs. And, you know, pretty much like, for me, once I, I see the one, like, oh, that's it. Like, sometimes it takes some tweaking here and there. Oh, try this, try that. But, like, once I see the, the one, it's like, nope, there it is. That's, like, I usually have a good feeling about it. It's never, the ones that have turned out really well are never, like, a, a head scratcher of, I don't know if this is going to work or not. It's a, there it is, you know, like, you just know. And yeah. that that's comes from the artist yeah. doing his thing, like you said. Yeah, uh, on the um, graphic design and artist uh, thing, uh, we in Glass Lungs use two artists. Um, we use a guy named Scott Siskind, and we use a guy named Brian from uh, Flesh and Bone Design. Um, and when we were doing the album artwork for, uh, for Impermanence, our upcoming full length, um, we were in the studio and um, you know, after being in the studio for like, honestly, just even 10 days, you start to go a little like crazy, a little, get a little weird, uh, especially being around the same people all day, not seeing, uh, light all day. Um, so, uh, this is kind of longer than I expected it to be right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you need uh, to go? <laughs> but okay. I'll keep going. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying, like what I, what. Oh, I'm it's all good. Just, no, go, go for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we were coming up with uh, what the artwork was going to be for the album. Uh, at first, we were going to go with like this occult type of vibe, but it kind of wasn't working out for us. So we were just like taking a step back. We were like, what kind of, um, you know, vibe do we get? 
from like our music. And all of us were like, it's, it's super spacey. It's, it's like spacey ambient music. Uh, it's, it's got some, you know, aggression to it. We actually, we actually call the genre type of our music, uh, aggressive ambient lullabies. And I feel, I feel like that's that very accurate. I, if you yeah, listen to the yeah, stuff, that fits well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're like, it's definitely spacey and, um, during the recording, uh, our our engineer Frank was like, you know, there are so many sounds on this album that sounds like, you know, some whales mating, and we were like, yeah, definitely, because all those like echoes and like sliding uh, delay parts. Um, so when we went to Brian with a new idea, we were like, listen, man, uh, we want some sort of whale floating around in space, and he's like. What kind of drugs are you guys on right now? <laughs> the best <laughs> like, kind. You guys are totally nuts. Yeah, you guys are totally nuts. Like, honestly, that guy puts up with so much of our crap and like dumb ideas. Uh, and he, yeah, he just came out with the. I don't know if you've seen the album cover. We posted it a few times on Instagram, but it's a uh, it's a whale basically uh, swimming around in space. Um, and we felt like it just like went with the music perfectly. But that's another thing with, like, we were talking about earlier, graphic design. Uh, we That's all we said to him, like, space and a whale. And he's like, this is what he came up with. And there were no changes that we made at all. It was just that. No, I've seen it. It looks awesome. Uh, I love and I love it, and I think it fits the vibe of your tunes, like, really, really well. Like, Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm into it. I, I, I like, you know, sci-fi and weird things like that. that, that is. That is my jam for sure, and I, <laughs> so I, I I dig the vibe uh, overall like quite a bit. So I think you guys are on the right track. Oh man, thank you. <laughs> Wait, speaking of whale sounds, we talked we talked about flanger a lot off the air. You is is a, I uh, mean yeah, that's what I use flanger to get whale sounds. Basically, that's <laughs> I'm trying to yeah the chase. Yeah. The Chase Bliss Spectre, like we talked about, is he for whale yes. sounds. You know, most of his pedals like make some pretty whaley, uh, chorusy sounds. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I I used a lot of flanger on the album. Um, you know, Bill and and Nick, they're both into flanger, but both of them have said, you know, I I have so much trouble like figuring out where to fit flanger. Um, and for whatever reason that comes so naturally for me, um, without making it sound like cheesy. Cause I know like, it's very easy to make flanger and chorus sound mm -hmm. cheesy. Um, I play, uh, I play my, my flanger at halftime, like my entire board, um, as far as time based pedals go, every single thing on there is, uh, connected to one tap tempo pedal, um, or actually two. Um, I have one that taps, you know, regular time to the click track, and I have another that taps half time to the click track. Um, and I run, um, I run my flanger at half time, uh, and I get like really big whooshy sounds out of it that sounds like whales. <laughs> like <laughs> perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that's interesting. So like personally, I don't use tap tempo very much except for. Uh, delays, um, 
even on mm -hmm. pedals that have it, I don't generally use it for that. Like um, phaser and flanger, I don't use a ton of chorus, um, but mm -hmm. phaser and flanger I, I like a lot. And I usually just kind of set them. Um, and I, I kind of don't even, I know they are, but I don't view them as, as or think of them rather as time-based effects. Effects? What am, I, what, am mm -hmm. I, what am I saying right now? Yeah. What language is that? <laughs> uh, I, I, I kind of think of them more as texture pieces. Like, like I like a good yeah. like slow phaser. There's nothing like a good slow phaser and some fuzz and a little reverb. Like, yeah, you know, I think when you run it like that, though, when you run it, you know, kind of like a texture. It's not too much in the mix. You know, you also put a little fuzz in there, some reverb. You don't notice that it's like real. It's going in like a a time like wave. Mm -hmm. You know, um. Especially for people that run it like that, you know, whereas in, in my band, we're like maxing out the mix. Right. You know? That's true. <laughs> um, so you really notice it when it's off. Uh, and the same goes for like tremolo and, and, and uh, phaser flanger. Uh, we use vibrato, um, all that stuff. It, um, everything, all, I'm not going to say the mixes on all of them are totally maxed out, but like there's more effect in the mix than there is dry signal. Right, right. Yeah, I guess trim. Trim is another one that, yeah, I would say benefits from a good tap tempo. Um, yeah, just overall, for, for whatever reason, I don't use it very much. And that's probably because I'm not just not very good. And my timing's terrible. So maybe that's, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the <laughs> issue as well. Um, but so you mentioned a click well, track. I mean, and I, I need to, anytime somebody yeah. can play with a click track, um, blows me away. Not that I don't have the ability to do it, but I I hate it with every fiber of my being. Like mm. it 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 ruins playing for me when I have to play to a click, even though I understand mm -hmm. why it's necessary and beneficial. It like it, I hate playing with the click. Is is that ever been an issue for you on recording as as well? Yes, for you? I hate it. <laughs> you know. Okay, I. I understand why people hate it, uh, because it does take out some of that groove and vibe, especially between the drummer and bassist. There's nothing like a natural like pocket for those two. Um, for Glass Lungs, there are three guitar players, and all of us are playing delay and tremolo and every other effect under the sun that's time based, and you know we. You can't not play to a click for our music. Uh, our our drummer plays to a click at band practice. He plays to a click at shows. He plays to a click uh, on recording. Um, and everything has to be super tight when it comes to playing with as many members as we do with everybody. You know, there are times where uh, Nick and I are both playing delay and um, like Bill is playing tremolo. Like if those don't all sync up at the same time, it sounds like a complete mess. That's true. That's true. But it doesn't not. It, so it doesn't drive you crazy though. Like you're okay with the. Uh, oh, did you fall over? That didn't sound good. <laughs> no, no, I moved over. Uh, my dog's in the room and he's 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 licking his feet. He keeps getting yeast infections. Oh in his no! Feet, and then he licks them and makes them worse. So. 
Yeah, I have to stop him from licking his feet okay. when he does it. <laughs> it sounded like you just fell out of a chair. Like, this guy doesn't play to click, and he passed out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm good. But I'm good. No, I, all that to say, I should play to one. I, I, I should get over it, but for some reason, that I'm like, I'm going to kill someone. Like I like what is that sound? I don't I don't yeah I I don't know I don't know why it bothers me so much. It shouldn't, but it, it does. It bothers yeah. me enough that it makes my playing worse, and I don't know how to get over that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, actually, Andy and I play in a uh, a little side project that we do every once in a while, and it, it's it's a cool little like uh, folky cool. thing. Um, and the girl that sings in it. Uh, she plays acoustic guitar, but she's always played alone. Um, and she has muscle memory between her guitar playing and her vocals and the timing that she played those in. So when they get like transcribed to a full band, she cannot play to the click. Like she cannot follow the drums. She, tr she like forces the drums to follow to her. And it's become like the hardest thing to break for her. So do you think it is like whatever you spent more time doing? Because um, I spend almost no time yes. ever with a click. And then when I do have one, it annoys me. I don't have that same problem with a drummer. Like a drum beat is fine. I, mm -hmm. I, I, love, I love that. Um, yeah. In fact, I prefer playing along with a rhythm section. But it's, it's specifically the click track itself like that drives me crazy. Yeah. So, well, it's good that I don't have to listen to it, and only my drummer does. <laughs> that I could do. That that I could handle. Uh, it's it's when I have to when yeah. I personally have to play play to it. I'm I so no. I guess I should say that 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 would be no problem. Um. Yeah. But when we record, I have to listen to it. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna get so much hate for this. Like you're not, you're not a professional. What are you doing talking about click tracks like that? I'm like, well, I'm not a professional. I'm I'm just a podcast. No, I think, I think there are definitely like grooves that you just cannot get with a click track. I I'm 100% with you on that. As far as it annoying, being annoying. I mean, yeah, I get that. It's, it's annoying sound, um, but. I I think that, you know, it's more about um, how tight it is or how tight you need to be. Uh, and for us, I mean, with as many members as we have and all the effects going on, it's like it it can't happen without yeah. it. Yeah, um, I feel that. And especially with, especially with some of the riffs we have, I I have to rely on the repeat of the delay. So, like... So I'll do like um I'll hit a note and cut it off and the repeat comes and then I hit the next note cut it off and the repeat comes and so the riff continues going like that um or I I make a sliding note from one note to the other and by the time the repeat comes the next note to the next slide comes in at the same time as mm -hmm. the repeat uh and those those two notes will like turn into like almost a um like a chord together from from the delay repeat because of course I have my mix like turned all the way up to ten 
Um, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, like I rely on those repeats. So without, um, without a click and without being perfectly on time, like we can't do it. And me and Nick, uh, we harmonize some of those. Ooh, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. Like there's, you know, when you're listening through the album, um, uh, we got a review on the album like a couple uh, couple weeks ago or something, and the guy was saying like, when you sit with the album and you go through it a few times, like every time you listen to it, you pick up like new little things that you didn't hear the first time. You know, most people going through an album, the first thing they're hearing is just like the beat and uh, like the vocals and things like that. Um, and uh, but as you listen to the album, you start to pick up on stuff, you know? Um, and there are so many little things that are in the album that are so cool. Like <clears throat> as far as like, we have so many things that are call and response parts, so many parts that are harmonized delay repeat parts, um, and things like that. That sounds like, um, it's one of those situations I, when you were saying about listening to things a few times, I feel like, it's not something that I do as much anymore, but I want to get back to it. Like I remember, you know, back in the good old days, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I'd get a, <laughs> I'd get an album, I'd get it home, and I'd just kind of lay down and listen to it, you know, and not do anything else. I wouldn't yeah. be driving, I wouldn't be, you know, working or thinking about anything else. I would be listening to do, to the album, and that's what I was doing. I didn't start doing that again. Yeah. Uh, until recently, we got a, a decent stereo set up and a good turntable finally. Um, but I've gotten mm -hmm. a lot of enjoyment out of just listening, not worrying about doing anything. But I'm going to sit here and just listen to this stuff. And it's amazing how much you you pick up in things that you've heard a million times, but you didn't really you've heard them, but you didn't listen to them. Um, yeah. You know, that's the good thing about like that was the good thing about CDs, like you had said back in the day, like you, you'd get, you got a CD and you, that was the only thing you listened to because it's your new CD, mm -hmm. you know? Whereas like we're in, we're in the time of like Spotify and everybody's got a playlist. So only your favorite songs are on that playlist. You know, you're not listening to someone's full album. And that's why more and more bands are just putting out singles and small EPs and not full lengths anymore because nobody nobody is you know paying attention enough to listen to your uh, full length. People have such a short attention span. Well, it's almost a weird, um, almost a weird sort of throwback to the old old days in some ways when that's what that's what artists did. They would write albums, but they would really only like they would really only care about a few of the songs they'd write singles and the rest were filler for some, for some artists way back, you know, in the day. And yes. then it seems like, you know, certain bands, there's, you know, certain iconic records started be becoming a big deal in and of themselves. And we had a shift to focus on the album uh, with, with a lot of, with a lot of artists. Like we want the whole thing to be good and to tell a story. Mm. And it seems like, with the you know rise of the Spotify and the Apple Music and all that, we've slipped back into that in this weird way, um, mm -hmm. back to where the single matters more so than than the record itself. And I I I find it refreshing when when people still c 
consider an album as an art piece. Not necessarily, like, not that each track shouldn't stand on its own, but you should be able to listen from front to back and have it take you on a, a journey of sorts. And I think, I think we, yeah. we, we would all benefit from, from that way of thinking. Just slow down in general and, and, and enjoy the yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, you know, we were really, um, we were really conscious of that, the, um, you know, front, listening to it from the beginning to end, like, and taking you through that kind of journey. Um, in the beginning of our album, the, there's, you know, kind of brighter, like, catchier two songs, and then it gets dark. The album gets dark, and it comes down to, like, this really slow, dark song, and brings you back up to two or three energetic songs, and then it drops down again to, like, a super slow song with a huge ending. Um, and, and that's kind of what we wanted. We didn't want it to be like, you know, oh man, this is super slow, then super energetic, then super catchy. You know, we wanted it to like vibe, you know, um, just kind of like you write a song and, you know, it's got like, uh, you know, segues to becoming, you know, um, just like from chorus to verse, like you need to make it flow, you know? So I think that was um, a big thing with writing our album or, or organizing the songs. Um, as far as writing the album, um, we write super weird. Uh, and other people have asked us uh, like how, how we you know, write songs like that. Um, because most bands, I feel like, you know, they have like their guitar player that, you know, write some parts and then they come to practice with them. Whereas we have a rule that you can't do that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yep. Um, we would never get anything we, done if we had we that. We write. <laughs> Everybody says that to us. Everyone says that to us. They're like, there's no way that wouldn't happen. It'd just be noise at practice. Um, but I think uh, the reason that we do that is, um, because we don't get the same results, you know, you kind of then have that one person's style and then you're kind of writing over it and it's like premeditated. Um, so for us, um, we, we write at practice, um, from the beginning of the song to the end of the song and our parts start to change as we play them. Um, and we figure out things and we'd be like, all right, well, that part's not working with my part. Um, so we're going to have to like figure out better notes and things like that. Uh, nobody ever learns someone else's part or um, plays the same part at the same time. Um, and that's, I think that's weird, but um, yeah, uh, that's what works for us. And, uh, and going back to songwriting, it's, uh, we don't ever finish a song that we're not going to use to record. So if we get up to the chorus and we're like, nope, we're not feeling this, it gets scrapped right there. If we make it to the end of the song, that's it. It's, it's going to get recorded. Um, and it's one of our songs because we don't waste time with song that we're not feeling going, you know, forward from the first chorus. So do you guys do your lyrics together as well? Because I don't know that I could, I don't think I could no. do that. 
Nope. Uh, we finish the song, and once the song is finished, uh, Chad writes or puts his lyrics on top of it. Um, and, you know, Chad, Chad's like, you know, the, the dude's got a lot to say for a guy that's super quiet and shy. Um, we didn't realize, like, how emotional the album actually was until afterwards, until it was done. We're just like, oh, cool, he's writing some catchy stuff, you know. Uh, this is cool. And not until later were we like, oh, my God, there's, like, this is a really emotional album. Like, he really touches upon things that, you know, other people aren't really touching upon um, from, you know, current politics to, like, you know, uh, death of people in, in, you know, his life to whatever. Um, I think there's only one song on the album that's about like a girl type relationship, which, you know, most people are, that's really all they're writing about. Yeah. That that's, that's interesting. I, I wonder how many bands have kind of a similar dynamic with that, where you, you know, the, the distance between the lyrics and the music is very obvious to a, mm -hmm. lo a lot of people. And like a lot of, a lot of bands mm -hmm. don't necessarily pay that much attention to sometimes what the lyricist is doing. And for me, that's like, mm -hmm. like lyrics, they drive me crazy. Like, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, part of it is at my old job, I was force fed bro country all day long which just has the dumbest lyrics of all yeah. time. Um, and, and I'm a country music <laughs> fan, so that made it even worse. <laughs> so it's just like, this is, this is horrible. Yeah. Um, and so I, but, but I, I say that that's, I'm trying to, I'm kind of dancing around here, but the, the lyrics have always been really important to me. I was the guy that would crack open the book with this CD and like follow along. Um, and and yeah. I I don't like I don't like it when they kind of don't matter. I guess if that makes any sense, they don't always have to be serious. Yeah. They don't always have to be genius. But I I like that they they matter to whoever is is has wrote them. And I think that that you can usually tell just by hearing them and reading mm -hmm. them. Um, yeah, I I mean, I when it comes to lyrics for me. Um, and, and, and Chad's lyrics, um, specifically, um, as long as there's not a line that I just really hate, um, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think there's maybe like, I don't know, between words and just lines, there's maybe like five small changes I made on that record. Um, and they were such simple, stupid things where I just like, didn't like, like I said, like a word or I didn't like a phrase. And he's just like, all right. And he'd just like switch it out. Um, and, and so it's really easy writing with, with him um, or, or, you know, him writing and, and us liking what he did. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have many issues with, with, we, we don't run into many issues with the lyrics. That's right. what I'm trying to say. D does he come up with the, the melodies at practice? Or is it, or is it, um, sometimes, okay. sometimes he'll like hum a chorus melody or something like that. And, um, you know, 
we also base some uh, like a good amount of stuff uh at least now around the lyrics um the the current music video for from the wayside has to do with the lyrics um you know they connect uh it's kind of like that was the one and only song that's kind of like a i guess the love kind of right. thing the love story kind of lyrics um and it was it was more like there's there's like someone there out for you kind of like don't give up on it um so like in the music video you see like this girl that you know totally shouldn't be dating this guy like they're from two different worlds you know but it's like uh you you don't have to kind of force yourself to be with someone that's not right for you um and at the end of the music video you see Chad and he kind of like goes off with the girl um so uh so so we've been focusing more of that uh, of the lyrics to to coincide with the music videos um when uh, if you if you see our earlier music videos it was just kind of like all right we just need something to put put on there you know um and it was very minimal b-roll and like band shots uh and then Andy and I actually came up with the um the storyline for the music video that will be coming out uh it's not out yet it's for our song acquiesce um where it wasn't what chad had intended for the lyrics to be about um but we found that you know with anything people take something different from the lyrics than someone else will take you know especially when they're obscure like the way that chad writes you could take something totally different from it than what you know he was actually writing about so andy and i had felt that the lyrics were very i guess political and had something to do with what was currently going on you know in in the world at the time you know with all these like you know mass shootings and um you know things like that there's so much like going on right now that's just so crazy and we felt even though Chad didn't you know directly want to you know that wasn't what he was singing about it's what Andy and I had taken from it and we felt like it was something that the band had to say had to be a part of so i mean lyrics can work in that way as well it is a it is a weird thing how when when they're not direct uh or or like very obvious telling a story of some sort how much like you can be as a lyricist you can kind of be misinterpreted a little bit in some ways um at least in your mind but then again it is up to the listener to decide what it means to them so are you being misinterpreted or did they just take what they needed out of it it's a you know, it's like, yeah. no, I didn't mean it like that. But it's like, well, that's what, that's how you took it. It's almost a, it's a, it's a bizarre form of communication. It's a cool form of communication, but it's kind of weird, you know, when you think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I believe that people should take, you know, what they want from it. Because, you know, sometimes it's like a healing thing, you know? And what's wrong with that if, you know, maybe you misinterpreted it, but it helped you out in some way throughout your life? No, I don't think, I don't think it's wrong at all. I think that's what a beautiful thing about music is it can, it can 
be what each specific listener needs it to be. You know, I, I, I think, yeah. And I think that has actually probably helped more people than what any artist might realize, to be honest. Like it, it, like yeah. you, the, the amount of people that, that listen to somebody and they, they actually reach out and go, yeah, this just changed how I viewed things pales in comparison to how many people actually, actually heard it or, or, and it, and did impact them, but they just didn't feel compelled to reach out. Um, yeah. One, one thing that I've found very, uh, very interesting and it's, it's, this is coming from a kind of a different angle rather than versus an artistic one, but it, it, it does sort of correlate is how many people actually are impacted or see or experience the thing that you put out um, versus how much you hear about it. It's kind of weird. I just know through doing some videos and some different marketing projects for companies that like peripherally they're more impactful than what the numbers say. Just because I have people like, Hey, did you see this yeah. weird video that so-and-so put out? And I'm like, Huh, yeah, I kind of made that, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, but like, I know you didn't comment on it type of type of thing. So it's like a, a really, uh, uh, interesting, it's interesting how far things spread and, and you really don't even realize it. It's a, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Especially, especially if what they take from it is something personal, you know, it's not, it's not always something that you want to, you know, put out there. For people to know that you took something from it, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, say? and it and nobody has to know if as long as it was uh, as yeah. long as it was beneficial to you, you know. Um, yeah, I, I I I agree, and it's 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 weird, and the same thing can be said about words, like the difference between writing something down and having somebody read it versus hearing someone say it is is amazing. Yeah, like you would think that me and my friends hated each other if you just read everything we said to each other. <laughs> but if you heard it, you're like, "Oh, ha, they're horsing oh. around," you know. Like, but if you read it, people would be like, "Oh my, did yeah. you hear what he called his best friend?" You know, like it's it's a it's a weird yeah. world, and I I I say that because this has been on my mind uh, a lot. As a lot of people, is I've learned that some people just aren't good at interneting. If you know what I mean, like. That's me. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> Honestly, no joke. Like I, we have a, we have a, um, a little like uh, th forum thread or whatever you want to call it on Facebook for our band, so that we can communicate with each other and everybody you know sees it and you know because text message threads are annoying because they're constantly right. going off and right. things like that. So um, yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I write something in that thread and people are like, oh, Alex, why are you being such a <laughs> You know? Right. You're like, no. Uh, yeah. Not, I was like, yo, you took that totally wrong. <laughs> but that always happens to me. I sound like the worst person ever via, like, text or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I've had girlfriends that said the same thing and it's like I've I've gone through like stuff where it's like I have to like put some sort of emoji after everything I say so it doesn't come off. I actually don't think that's a bad idea. I, in fact, that's why they're invented because I don't. I think that some people they need to <laughs> they need to work on they need to work on that. I mean, if this is how uh, we as a people have chosen to communicate with each other, and lar by and large, it it is. I think people 
need to learn how to internet because I've seen so many things go so sideways just because of a misinterpreted uh, piece of text. Uh, because you can't you can't get tone or intention sometimes via a post. You, I, I think people need to don't be afraid yes. to use those emojis. People use them up so people know what's going on. <laughs> like it, yeah. it, they're cheesy, they're 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 dumb. Whatever, it doesn't matter as long as your you know significant other knows that you're not actually calling them dumb. You're just joking. Like that can be very <laughs> beneficial. Very beneficial. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how we got there, but um, but we but no, we did. I don't either. <laughs> so there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the uh, year band. All right. Uh, no, we're back on. We're, we're on talking emojis about emojis. Right Sorry, it is what it is. What it is. It's a <laughs> it's a a podcast that I am the host of. Therefore, it's gonna be random. It's uh, just it's just how it is. <laughs> Uh, come on, if it was all about gear and, you know, it, it'd get boring. you you got to have this this kind of band. One thing we haven't talked about, though, is uh, the other subject that's near and dear to my heart. And, and we're getting close to the end, so we, we better touch on this real quick or or else I, w- I will have failed as a host. So you live in New York. I know you're going to have a lot of opinions I on do. this. What's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, you went there. It's a big deal. All right. You want to know something that my band talks about all the time is that pizza is better on Long Island than it is in the city. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's no such thing really as Brooklyn pizza anymore. Uh, I don't know what happened to that. I think that was a big thing a long time ago. Um, there are a lot of pizza places that are popping up that are they call them dollar slice uh pizza Mm -hmm. places um and new york has actually banned them from opening up anymore oh really is there so many yes there are still many but the problem was that they were putting uh like um what's it called like very good historic pizza places out of business Oh, really? Weird. Because I would yeah. think that those would cater to so, two different uh, yeah. people. Like, the guy who wants a dollar slice and the um, guy who wants to sit down and have a good pizza, I think, are two different situations. But I think that New York is at such a fast pace. Um, you know, I have lived in Portland, like I had told you the other day. Um, <laughs> so I know, I know the difference between the West Coast speed and the, the East Coast speed. Yeah, you life. East Coast guys scare um, me how fast you move. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As far when it comes to anything, it's like, hey, can you get this done? We expect that thing done within like seconds. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so when we we're going to lunch, you know, we want something that's quick. Um, and when you know, it, it's just when we used to be going into the better pizza place. Now a lot of us are just like running and getting dollar slices, you know, um, and I think that hurt the uh, the, the pizza. Com- the, I'm going to call it a pizza community, the uh, better pizza mm-hmm. community. It, it hurt that. Um, but there are two two things that are better on Long Island than at, in the actual 
city, and uh, that's pizza and Chinese food. And one thing that I'm going to touch upon with you is how bad West Coast Chinese food is. Do you know that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I know. Let me. What am I, how am I going to say this? I know that most of the Chinese food over here is pretty not good, but there are a couple places <laughs> that I know of that are pretty good. But it's still not. It's still not Chinese food. Like I don't think it's still American Chinese food. You know what I mean? I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know what yes. real Chinese food tastes like. I know kind of like what real Japanese and real Vietnamese and some of the other uh, Asian countries food. Like I know what legit places like that are, but I just still don't know what legit Chinese food is. I just know when people say Chinese, I picture American Chinese food. And we, you have to know, you can't just walk into a Chinese food place over here and expect glory. It's going to be probably bad. You have to know yeah. where you're going. And even then, from what I'm hearing, the East Coast spots are significantly better. Yeah. You know, uh, in, when, I, when I lived um, in Portland, there were so many good restaurants, uh, especially on Hawthorne and Division and all those spots. Um, and, uh, you know, just like the culinary community there, uh, there, there are so many good spots. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but what, I, and you know what? I, as a New Yorker, I still like West Coast pizza. You know, you guys still had some good spots. Um, they actually opened up a sizzle pie. Here. Oh, really? Uh, and I know you guys are, are sizzle pie, uh, from, you know, and, you know, the vegan community here uh, went nuts for it because they, you know, had vegan slices. Um, so I, I, I don't bash on West Coast pizza whatsoever. Is it the same as New York pizza? No, it's, it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different thing. Like you, you don't go to the West Coast and expect New York pizza. You don't, you know go to New York and expect West Coast pizza. It's like the same thing. You know, I don't think one is better than the other um, because pizza in Chicago is amazing too. And that's totally different. Like if you've ever gone to Chicago and had pizza, it's like a home cooked meal from grandma. It's insane. So um, I'd say, uh, uh, let me get, let me try and get back on track here. Uh, it's pizza. We can talk about pizza all I, day. Please, please let me talk about pizza all day. Yeah, I could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I think Long Island pizza is, is better than some New York pizza. I think New York has to move their pizza so quickly um, that they, they care less about it. Um, and whereas New York, they have time to make like a really good um, pie. Um, so I'm all about Long Island pizza spots, um, and Chinese food as well. Um, although there are definitely good spots in Chinatown. And if you're going to be out here for, uh, fear the riff, I think we're going to get together for some, uh, awesome Chinese I'm, food. I'm going to need educated. I think, <laughs> um, I, I, I feel yeah. like I, I'm fairly, you know, as you said, you lived over here, you know, we got a pretty diverse, uh, you know, we got a lot of different styles of food that are all really good here in Portland. And uh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't, I think that Chinese is, is one we're lacking in. There's a couple good places out in the burbs uh, where, where I actually live. That's, mm -hmm. that's actually where I live. I'm not in Portland proper, but um, uh, okay. 
there's a few there's a handful of good places, but I feel like I need educated on on the good Chinese food, so that'll be helpful. Yeah. I mean I mean when I was there, uh right before I left I found a really good Japanese spot that was on division, uh closer to the river. Mm-hmm. Um and I loved it there. So good. Uh there are tons of Thai food restaurants oh, yeah. in Portland. Uh yeah, and you know, I haven't I'd never had a bad one. Amazing. Uh but I just like didn't understand like the Chinese food thing. I was like, what is with this? Um <laughs> I don't I don't know. I can't I can't uh, even comment on it because I've never I've never explored when I go to other cities, I've never thought, I wonder how the Chinese food is here. Like I've never, that's never crossed yeah, my mind. Yeah, I, I feel like that isn't a thing. I feel like that isn't a thing people think. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, there, I, I, Chinese food on, in New York is like a staple. You gotta have good Chinese food. Uh, of course, pizza is a staple, but I don't bash other cities, Chinese food. Um, maybe some like, you know, down South, you know, they, they don't have that good of pizza. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the water I'm told. The way that the dough rises. I've I've heard that, and I've actually heard of of um, some West Coast pizzerias importing New York water, and water's yeah. a weird one, right? So we have we have really good water drinking water in my neck of the woods. Like you get it out of the tap, and I'm like, why why do we even get bottled water? Like it tastes so good, our tap water does. And like I go down to California, and I'm like, yeah. well, I need bottled water. Like what's wrong with your water? <laughs> and, <laughs> And so I'm always like anywhere I go that I've never been, I'm always like, hmm, like my wife and I, like people think we're weird, but we'll literally like go to taste, taste the top water and just like, just out of curiosity and New York, for some reason, even though I'd heard that about the water and the pizza and the bagels, um, all commingling for some reason in my mind, like when I went to do the tap water test, uh, as we call it, um, I was like, hmm, I bet this isn't going to be very good. Like it's a big yeah, huge yeah. city, you know. I didn't. I just thought, you know. Yeah, it's not going to be very good. And I was like, "Oh, Lynn, the water—it's delicious." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know why uh, people think that? Because you know, New York City isn't the cleanest city. Like we can, you know, uh, which which is whatever. But our drinking water comes from upstate. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not I, like if from in the city. Um, so yeah, the reservoirs are, are, are upstate, um, and they have really great water up there. So, uh, we get really great water. Um, that, that makes sense. That makes yeah. a lot of, sense. and Portland's the same way. Our, our waters comes from like Mount hood basically. Yeah. So, yeah. It, that all, that all makes a lot of sense. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with California's water though. You guys got to fix your water. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> the, you, you know, the only thing I will bash on for other states is bagels. You did mention bagels. Uh, bagels are so important to New Yorkers. I, I don't even think they re- that all of us realize that because we're always like, oh, the pizza, the pizza, the pizza. But bagels is like, it's not like it is like anywhere else. Like The bagels, the bagels are, oh man, they were so good. I'm a big bagel <laughs> fan. I don't talk about bagels as much as I should, but I really like them. Even a 
even a not great bagel is 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 will scratch that itch. But man, a good bagel. Oof, uh, man. I I went, I went to Essa Bagel a few times when I was there. Uh, I was staying in Midtown, so yeah. I, that was the closest one. And man, I was just, I was so happy. It was yeah. so good. You know, that's they're just so like fluffy and. Because, you know, people from other states who haven't had them are like, what's so good about, you know, the bagel? And it's like, it's not like dense bread. It's like fluffy, almost like pastry-like, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely still a bagel. Like Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean, though. It's not the same thing. Fortunately, we do have uh, Kenny and Zooks over here, uh-huh. which is is extremely solid. Like... I don't know if you got to try it while you were here, but I think you would. I don't approve. think so. Yeah. All it's, right. All it's right. It's very, very comparable. Not quite the same, but it's 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 really good. Like it's. I think you'd you'd be a fan. Can you point me to another bagel place? Since we're talking about bagels, I know about Essa. Planning on hitting Russ and Daughters next time, but where where uh, where should I go for a bagel here in a month or two? Um. Let me think. There's this spot, okay? It's in Brooklyn. So where I live in Brooklyn is only, um, let me think, three subway stops from the L train, which is in Union, not Union, uh, yeah, Union Square. So okay. like, people think, oh, I gotta go to Brooklyn. It's it's just like you having to go on a few subway stops, like upwards in manhattan you know it's not far <laughs> <laughs> no it's n- it's not <laughs> this is a small city <laughs> uh you were in brooklyn well, no right? it's you... not a small city well it's no no it's a big city but the island is not that big you know mm-hmm. uh the island of manhattan is not big to get anywhere is is not a far you know ride uh so everything's well, not in very to, close. Not to derail this too much, but I remember I was sitting there. Uh, we don't have very many delivery options here, but the ones we do have, they'll they'll come to you from a good mm-hmm. a good distance. Actually, one of the decent Chinese food places will drive a stupid distance to deliver. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if it's decent. Well, one one that I find acceptable, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, um but I I remember like oh I got a it was kind of late. And I didn't really feel like leaving to get some food, but I was hungry. And so I was like just Googling and I was like, oh, here's this pizza place. It's only two miles away and they say they deliver. I bet they'll bring me some pizza. And they were like, nope, <laughs> that's way too far. I'm like, wait, what is uh, Hold on. What's going on? Is that a that normal That was in thing? Portland like, or that was in? In New York. Oh, in New York. So, okay. Yeah. So in New York, uh, each place only delivers to um a, a, like a certain neighborhood. Uh they don't go past that because they're so busy. So, but the thing is, you can get the one closer to you to deliver anywhere. We have I don't know if you guys have uh Seamless there or Grubhub. Yes. Yeah, okay. we don't use it as much in Uber Eats as well. Yeah, um, see we live on that in New York. <laughs> so every single restaurant delivers Japanese food, oh. Indian food. You can get a steak delivered to your apartment. It it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, so 
um, for us, for that's, so that sounds phenomenal. Yeah. So for like, uh, if, if the place is kind of far, like, yeah, they're not going to deliver cause they have like 20 or 30 other people deliver, uh, like calling for delivery that they're like, you know, your $8 isn't worth like us going there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is true. I, I just found it weird. Cause I'm used to like a 10 mile radius and this was like two and they're like, Nope, sorry. No can do I'm like, Oh, okay. yep. Exactly. I guess I'll starve to death then. <laughs> but sorry. The other thing that's great um, about New York uh, oh, is okay. that everything is open till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., which I noticed true. isn't the same in other cities. That's why I think they call us the city that doesn't sleep. I I would believe that. I also, this is, I guess this is turning into the New York City segment of the podcast uh i do i i do i do like new york city quite a bit um but it was a it was a shock for me i'm a you know yeah. i'm a west coaster like hardcore and so and i'd been to other big cities i'd been to london and i've been to some other you know major cities but i'd never had such a shock of like everyone's so angry and in such a hurry <laughs> like yeah. settle down but but then I realized, I mean, so for instance, there was, I don't know, I don't know where we're going with this, but uh, <laughs> it's happening. So do it. I was walk, I was walking to get bagels and yeah. I seen these guys in the distance and they were, they were, they, I was like, oh man, am I walking into like a fight? Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh boy, this, this looks, this looks like it's going to be going to get ugly. And so I was like oh, trying to look how I could get across the street and like, I don't want involved in this. And these two guys are yelling and screaming at each other. And I, I like, fin- I finally get close enough to them, and they're yelling and screaming at each other, but they are happy as can be. Yeah, they were, they were like, "Yeah, dude!" Like they were like screaming like in a way that appeared angry from a distance, but once you got up close, they were having a great time. <laughs> they were just yeah. talking about what happened the other night, like at their buddy's place. I was like, <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, I've man. never seen people appear <laughs> angry but be happy. It was weird. New Yorkers in general are loud. Like it's we, a loud city. Yeah, we can't we can't keep our voice down. You know, we're just loud talkers, uh, and we're very excited to to you know have our voice be heard. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, that is definitely something about you know us being like loud and whatever and rowdy and whatever like that. Um, and as far as being like, I, I like. The, the reason we come off as, I guess, mean is because we have a lot more people around us all the time. Um, you know, I'm sure in Brooklyn you saw, like, how compact it is um, with, like, you know, apartments. Um, and just, like, we get on the subway every morning and we're, like, sardines in there, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. So... And everybody's got their headphones on, you know, we're, we're like, you know, that's like daily life for us. So we don't really talk to one another. Um, The only people that talk to us is someone like from another city that's like trying to get directions or something, (laughs) you know? Um, Whereas like when I was in Portland, uh, everyone was very friendly and like you could start up a conversation with someone like on the street, you know? 
Um, and that at first was very weird for my wife and I. We're like, wait, why, why are they talking to us? You know, uh, you know, like we're not used to that. Uh, and I think it's just because we're just like a way faster pace. So when we get like slowed down by like a random person we don't know, it's uh, it's it's weird. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely me. And I I have to I have to learn that like most people don't like to talk as much as I do, um, <laughs> and have conversations. And like that's basically what I do for a living now is have conversations, which is fantastic. But the it, it, it's something my wife had to point out to me like early on in our marriage. And I still struggle with it because I'm a buffoon, but like, <laughs> like she's like, that person doesn't want to talk to you. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you're right. They, I just became that guy. And like, I noticed like, you know, I, I like to, I like to sauna. Uh, it's a thing that I like to do. It relaxes me. But like yeah. when people are in there, like when I'm by myself, it's fine. And when people are in there, it's fine if I can talk to them. But I hate it when people come in and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, sup? And then they don't, you can tell they don't want to talk. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to sit in here yeah. in silence with this dude and <laughs> and just stare at him. Like, what am I <laughs> like? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, but sometimes I'm, I'm lucky and there's like a, an old guy in there that'll want to have a conversation. And I'm like, sweet. Somebody to yeah. talk to. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I... I'm like, it's, the total it's just, opposite. yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, me and my wife are total introverts, man. Uh, I, I can talk to people if it's like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. If I have to go to like an event or something where there's a lot of people, I, I need to get out of there. Like I can't wait to leave. Um, and I avoid conversation. I can't stand it. Um, I don't know what it is. I know that they're going to talk to me about something I don't care about. <laughs> and I'm going to have to fake being nice. <laughs> I just like have to constantly fake it. Uh, but when I talk to someone one-on-one -on -one that I have common interest with, you know, like I have stuff to say, you know, and I'm willing to have that conversation. Um, but for like real introvert, I mean, extroverts, like, you know, the people that like need to be heard uh, and like have to be the loudest person in the room. Like I can't, I, I, I can't be around them. Like, uh, you, like you said, you're a talkative person, but like you have something interesting to say. Um, I can talk to you. I can have a conversation with you, but most people that like to talk, don't like to listen. <laughs> I think that is something that's a little bit different about me. And I definitely, have been guilty in the past of trying to be the guy that has the next thing to say, which I hate. I hate that that's a thing that I do. And I really, really work on it. Um, cause I, it, it's stupid. Why? I'm not that important. Why, why would I be that way? <laughs> it's, it's dumb and I, I don't like it, but I actually am genuinely interested in people and like different perspectives on things. And I, cause I find mm -hmm. it very fascinating. And I find that a lot of, uh, um, a lot of growth comes from, uh, hearing other people's perspectives and just being able to recognize that this person's experiences has informed them that this is the way this is at this point. And nobody views things the same way, even if you are a very similar type of person. And I feel like just being more open to listening to people's, you know, uh, viewpoints, whether I like them or not, is mm -hmm. actually been really helpful for me to just 
understand, um, just understand, you know, how my reality is not your reality. You know, even though we have yeah. similar interests and things like, y you know, you view things through, through a different lens. And I think being able to appreciate and respect that has come from actually kind of doing this, like talking to so many different people, not just on the podcast, but the podcast has definitely helped because it's just um, you, you get a different feel and you, you just realize that everyone's just trying to do their best. And so everybody needs to stop being so angry and divisive. <laughs> So yeah, everyone's you know, everyone's just trying. They're trying hard, you know. Yeah, I mean that goes for like life in general, uh, and it also goes like for like ge like gear stuff. Like we had, you know, the stuff we were talking about earlier in the podcast. Um, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> What's this gear you speak? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, gear. Uh, like you know, my my band members like i got them into gear uh and like being like pretty much total nuts um and now at this point you know they have their own opinions on on the stuff it's like even though you know i i was the one that brought them in and showed them all the things i like you know they've come up with the things they like now and of course i'm like Ugh, whatever Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but i <laughs> i think that goes the same way with like like even your your family you know like they raised you on certain like um i guess things that they thought were you know not, not i guess what they thought were the right way or whatever but as you get older you get your own opinions on those things too um and now i'm seeing my little gear children grow <laughs> gear children <laughs> uh, oh you're all grown up they're all grown up and finding a fuzz pedal of their own. It's just so, so <laughs> adorable. I couldn't ask for anything better. Yeah. Well, we've been going at this yep. for a while. I know you had somewhere to be. Uh, do you want to use these last couple minutes to plug where they can find yourself, your band, or... Sure. This is your moment to have a billboard for anything you might want to say. All right, cool. Um... Yeah, you can find uh, all, basically all of our stuff. Everything is uh, at Glass Lungs Music, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we barely use Twitter, but we need to get on that. Um, same thing with our email. If you want to email us, it's uh, glasslungsmusic at Gmail. Like we welcome people, especially promoters, to hit us up. You know, we're going to be trying to tour um, this fall. Um, we have a few things booked up, but definitely east coast people if um you're a promoter or no a promoter it would be great you know greatly appreciated to uh just hit us up for things like that um our album comes out um man i'm saying i'm a lot and like throughout this entire podcast story of my life like dude. myself yeah i know it's crazy <laughs> so uh yeah you can uh our album comes out next friday which is the 29th um and we're really excited about it. We have a, on our website, we have a merch store that we just set up. Uh, you can get bundle packages there. Uh, you could just order a CD. You could just order a shirt or just order a, uh, a poster. We have posters, which, uh, came out really, really cool that I'm excited about. Um, and that's mostly it, you know? Uh, we're a bunch of dudes just trying to make some cool music. Right on, man. 
Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. It was a very, very good time talking to you. And also, I should plug that we'll both be at Fear the Riff, so we'll be yes. there wandering around in Greenpoint. And if yes. you guys are down there, holler at both of us. We'll probably be talking about Chinese food. <laughs> or bring us some Chinese food. Ooh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> all right man all right th thanks alex all right for, no all right everybody for alex this is blake and as always folks good luck and good tones i had a fantastic time talking to alex from glass lungs that was one of those episodes where after we were done recording we continued to chat for a long time and probably should have recorded that as well but we didn't but he's down to come back on at some point, so we'll do that, and we'll we'll make that happen. I'm also still sitting in that truck in Nashville, in case you were wondering why it sounds this way. Um, but here I am. Otherwise, you'd be hearing a lot of very large insects right now, because if I just open this door, it sounds like it sounds like we're being attacked by aliens. Um, what else do we need to talk about? We need to talk about if you need some extra content. Um, there's the Tone Mob Patreon, and a lot of that is. Jess and I sitting around uh, shooting the breeze about various subjects in the shred shed, my good friend Justin Porter. So if you go to the T Tone Mob Patreon, tonemob.com slash Patreon, you can check out the rather interesting uh, levels of rewards we have over there. If it's for you, you can uh, you can sign up and at whatever level, you know, tickles your fancy. And you'll help support the show, help it keep going, and also get a whole bunch of extra content and some other random things. We'll just leave it at that. So go to tonemob.com slash Patreon to check that out. And for the Patreon subscribers, you're going to get a double whammy this week. Um, because I had some technical difficulties with my wonderful, wonderful computer uh, right as I was leaving for Nashville. So you're going to get a double whammy... Uh, coming up this week, uh, so you're going to have approximately, including this episode, you know, three and a half hours of Tone Mob content. So go to patreon.com slash Tone Mob to check that out. And as always, feel free to hit me up on any of the socials, email me at info at tonemob.com, etc., etc. I'm around if you need anything and you need any help, need any just whatever, I'm around. So... Thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com slash stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. 
Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.